Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, we are in John 18, and this morning we're going to cover verses uh, 15 through 27. Give everybody a minute to sit down. Uh, so John, John 18, good morning. Verses uh, 15 through 27. Busy morning this morning. It's good. It's a good thing, man. I'm excited. All right, John, I'll read these verses for us again. Uh, John chapter 18, verses 15 through 27. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I have spoke, I had, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when, and, and when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I had spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if will, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, as again, as we ask each week, Father, as we open your word, we ask that you be our teacher this morning. Father, we pray that your word uh, will do the work uh, along with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you will give us understanding, Father, uh, so we may be more like Christ for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So by way of introduction to this uh, section, uh, Dr. Sproul said there's a, he mentions there's a word in the English language that drips with pain. That was his words. It drips with pain. It sends shivers up our spines whenever we hear it and when we experience it. And that word is betrayal. One of the uh, most uh, betrayal, if you, if you consider that, it's one of the most devastating experiences any human can endure. And uh, yet it does happen. It happens because we are fallen people. And... Um, we can be uh, betrayed, right, by uh, even our friends, our closest friends, uh, 
our family members, right? We can be betrayed by family members and even close friends. And it it happens, right? It does happen because none of us is able uh, to give total loyalty, right? Has anybody ever experienced this? You don't have to give us an example, but maybe not ahead or something you know, right? If you've been betrayed, uh, this is just, uh, it, again, it's, it's, it drips with pain. And I mean, you, if you think about it, then maybe it, you, it brings up feelings of just pain where you just, you really were disappointed. And maybe, hey, we're honest, right? Some of us have betrayed others. We've been the one, right, who have betrayed our loved ones. And it's a, it's a terrible thing to think about. Well, R.C. says, he says, you know, I, I, given all those things, that's the reality, right? That's the world we live in. Betrayal says, given these things, I still struggle to understand how anyone could have betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I have trouble understanding that. How can anyone have betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the record of what happens uh, uh, on that night uh, here before Jesus' crucifixion focuses on the problem of betrayal. And not only Judas, right, because he's also betrayed Jesus the same night, but also Peter. And it's, it's, it's interesting, and I don't know if, if, if you have thought about this um, before, but it's interesting that uh, when we hear the Apostle Paul uh, give the words of institution for our Lord's Supper, right, in 1 Corinthians, our pastor reads it every time, right, when we have the Lord's Supper, Remember how he refers to the night in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Does he, does he refer to it uh, as the night when which our Lord took bread with his disciples? No. Does he, does he refer to it as the night when our Lord was arrested? No. Or the night when our Lord was put on trial? No, he didn't address it in any of those ways, does he? Does he? What's Paul say? He, he refers to it as the night in which our Lord was betrayed. This, this event of betrayal of Jesus uh, by those closest to him, right, was a major event in redemptive history. Notice another thing, too, about uh, John's narrative as we've come through uh, this Gospel of John. He, John does not record the events of the transfiguration. But the other uh, three synoptic gospels do uh, record them and they make it clear, right? That this event, this transfiguration event uh, was the highlight of uh, some of the disciples experience during uh, Christ's earthly ministry. If you remember, again, we haven't studied it in John because he doesn't include it. But you remember, based on the other gospels, that Jesus took three of his disciples up on the mountain with him. He, he took the inner circle, right? Peter, James, and John. And they went up on the mountain, and we remember the account. He was, uh, the scripture tells us that he was transfigured before their eyes. His, his face shone like the sun. He was, his glory, his divinity broke through into creation. Right? It was, it was obvious who he was. Right? It was manifested to those who were around him. And you remember that, that Moses and Elijah were there. Right? They were there with him and spoke to him and had a conversation. And, and Peter was there. Right? He saw all of this. Right? And you remember his, what, what he said. He says, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. Right? That's what he says. It's good for us to be here. He says, if you wish, let us make three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. 
What was he, what was Peter saying, right? At, at, given that experience, what he just observed, Peter was saying, "Hey, we're, we're going to pitch tents right here. We're going to stay right here. You know, forget about Jerusalem. Forget about going to Jerusalem. Let's let's just let's just stay right here. Let's enjoy your glory because that's a truly amazing thing. Let's enjoy that right here. Let's just stay. Let's just bask." In your glory, and in and in that that moment, right, um, and in that moment, that transfiguration moment on the mountain, Peter wanted to be wanted to be as close to Jesus as possible, didn't he? He wanted to be as close to Jesus as possible. He wanted to stay right there. Why go anywhere else? This is amazing. I want to be right here with him. And you know, we can we can all be like Peter, can't we? Let me explain. Well, in the in the flesh, we're all, and I haven't heard this word in a long time. Uh, Doctor Sproul used it. Uh, in the flesh, we're all groupies, right? In the flesh, we can be groupies. Uh, we love to we love to be very close to those who are uh, maybe rich and famous, right? We want to be near them. Those who are popular, those who are in positions of power, we want to be close to them, right? We want to be in the group, in the inner circle. We enjoy it. We can bask in their glory, right? Look, I, I was hanging out with such and such, or I was hanging out with whoever, or this person, or this politician, or this uh, sports star, or whatever, right? And bask in that glory. And so we enjoy that. Just like Peter enjoyed, he wanted to be with Jesus. He didn't want to stay. He didn't want to leave. He just wanted to stay right there. And we can also be like Peter in another way, right? When those that uh, we would idolize, when those that we hold up high, when those people fall, the we then what happens? We run for cover. We run for cover, and and here we are. This this where where we are in the timeline. This is just a few days after the transfiguration. This is recent past, very recent past, right? This is not years ago that they witnessed the trans, trans, trans transfiguration. This is days ago, and so now Jesus has been arrested. And Peter couldn't even bring himself to even acknowledge his Lord. As we mentioned uh, last week, they took Jesus to Annas first. Remember, he was the, we talked a little bit about, we hit on this a little bit last week. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest. Uh, again, we, we briefly touched on this last week as to why they've done that. Well, a little bit more of the backstory is um, the Romans had removed him from office, okay, as the high priest. And of course, but in Israel, to the Jews, the high priest was appointed for life. So they still kind of viewed Annas as the high priest, and he had some influence, right? So they, that's why they went to him first. And then John, let's, let's begin in, John, in, in verse 15. It says, uh, 15a, it says, and, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. I think it's Luke's gospel that adds that Peter followed at a distance. If you remember, I think Luke's gospel says that he followed at a distance. Now, the disciple with Peter is not named. And so there's been some debate about his identity. Now, you know, usually in John's gospel, when uh, because he is also in the narrative, right? In John's gospel, he's also he's writing, but he's also in it. But you know, normally when he refers to himself, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's normally when John's referring to him. He doesn't name himself. He refers to him that way. 
Well, Dr. Sproul says, I'm, I'm persuaded that he is referring to himself here. Uh, because there is much evidence here, okay, there's much evidence to suggest that John was a member of the priestly group within the Sanhedrin. Okay? So, so if any of the disciples had access into the high priestly court, it would have been John. Okay, so that's what we think. Can we be absolutely sure? No, but that's what a lot of... Uh, folks think, including Dr. Sproul. So we think this is John here with, with Peter. Verses, second half of verse 15 and 16, he says, Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, he went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. So again, it's obvious that this other disciple, who John doesn't name, um, was known to the high priest, right? Knew who he was. He was able to vouch for Peter and let him in. He was able to vouch. He could come on in. To, he had access to the, to the court. And so what happens? He goes and he vouches for also Peter's with him. So he goes and he's going to speak uh, to the... Um, the young lady who's keeping the door, the servant is keeping the door, and lets Peter come in. And then we see this first encounter in verse uh, seventeen. So as he's as he's Peter's, um, excuse me, John has 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 vouched for him. He's he's entering in. So then the servant, and this is verse seventeen. The servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, "You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you?" And he said, "I am not." Now, something about Peter, something about uh, Peter during this night caught the eye, right, of the servant girl at the door. Notice how she worded the question. Okay? She didn't didn't say, are are you a member of this man's entourage? Are are you with this man's group? Or or, or she didn't say, are you one of the Nazarene's disciples? She didn't say that. He didn't say, um, are you one of this man's disciples? She, she didn't ask that, right? She said it in this way. You are not one of his disciples, are you? Now what's, if somebody were to ask you that kind of question, what, what, they're trying to lead you to an answer, right? They're trying to say, you better not be, right? That's kind of the question. They're, they're leading you in a direction, right? They're leading you to say no, right? You're not one of this man's disciples, are you? It's a leading question, right? And 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 Peter Peter could have answered, "Well, yes, I am." Right, but he but he chose to go along with her on the direction of her question. He followed right along with her the path that she was kind of leading him into. Right, and he says, "No, I'm not." And then. So John's recapping this night for us, and it's like he's it's, he's a director in a, in a scene of a production, right? He kind of cuts away. So this is happening, but then he cuts away, right? John cuts away, and he, he stops from uh, focusing on Peter just for a moment, and then he, he wants to tell us about what's happening with Jesus and what's going on with Jesus' trial. So we've got the first denial there as, as Peter came in the door. Verse 18. Now, the servants and officers 
who had made uh, a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So Peter again, like Luke tells us, he's following at a distance, right? He doesn't want to get too close to Jesus. So Peter was trying to remain anonymous, right? He didn't, he's already told the servant girls already asked him. He says, no, he's trying to remain anonymous. And so he's trying to hide in the shadows. Let me, let me hide. Let me just kind of blend in, right? Let me, let me just blend in like I'm supposed to be here, right? Um, But he, he didn't want to leave the courtyard because, hey, I'm, I'm in the middle. I want to know what's going on. Right? I don't want to be that far removed for him. So he went and he stood by the fire with some of the other servants and soldiers. And, and of course, this detail about the fire, okay, them warming themselves is significant, right? It's significant because John's account points out that these events took place at night, right? Now, you remember, uh, if... It, the, the Jews are holding a trial. They're putting someone on trial. Well, first of all, the, one of the main rules of a of a Jewish trial like this was it was illegal to hold a trial at night. Okay, so that's the first thing. That's why that 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 uh, detail is significant. Okay, so this is we're setting we're 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 trying to understand all the things that are going on here right with this trial right. So first of all, it was at night, and that. First of all, it's not allowed. Not supposed to do that. And the religious leaders, the high priests, knew that, right? They knew that. They knew that they're not supposed to have a trial at night. They know this is illegal. Verse nineteen says the high priest uh, then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Hmm. So the high priest begins to ask to question. Jesus, he's the one standing on trial. He's the accused. And we don't know for sure. There's a lot of details. Some We don't know about these trials, but there's a lot of Jewish testimony and things in writing for, for the history of the time that, that would convince all of us that in this case, uh, a prisoner on trial, like we're having right now, okay, was never required to testify. Okay? Or to answer any questions. Okay, so they they just kind of jump right in, right? They're they're examining him from the get go about his disciples and his doctrine, which again is not normal procedure. This is not normally how you conduct a trial. But these these procedures, okay, these these folks, they they have seemed to, to set aside the rules, the rules about when you can have a trial, what time of day, and also about how you can examine a witness. So they set these things aside. And Annas begins to interrogate Jesus, and he asks him again about two things. He asks him about his followers, his disciples, his students, and he asks him about his doctrine. Hmm. Isn't, isn't that interesting that Annas is questioning him about his doctrine and his disciples? It's very interesting. Why? Because as we'll get farther in, uh, in, in the study, when the Jews delivered Jesus to Pilate, Right? What were the charges against him? They had nothing to do with his doctrine. Right? The charges were political, not theological. Okay, when they when they took him to Pontius Pilate, you remember uh, Luke tells us um, when that when the, the the Jews said when they were delivered him to Pilate says, "Hey, 
we found this fellow, they call him a fellow, right? We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding people to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is the Christ. He's a king. That was, that was how they delivered him to Pilate. But here on, on this night, they're asking about his theology, aren't they? Hmm. Jesus uh, responded with the words here in verse 20 and 21. He says, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing here? Okay, he's what he, what he's doing. Anybody can, can anybody tell what he's trying to do here, or what he is not trying to do? What he is doing? He's he's challenging these folks. He's challenging them to follow their own rules for a trial. You see what he's saying? He says, "I." He, he's he's asking them to follow the proper protocol for a Jewish trial. I've, I've said all these things. If, if you want to know my doctrine, ask anybody. In other words, bring a witness. That's what he's asking. He says, follow your own rules. Bring a witness. He says, I, he makes the point, I, I taught in the open. I taught openly in public places where Jews met regularly. They've all heard my teaching. Bring a witness. And he made, he made the point that it's no different. That I didn't teach anything different in private. Is what he, he's, I didn't say I wasn't double-minded, right? I didn't have a public doctrine and a private doctrine, right? I didn't have a double agenda. There's, there's no secrets here, is what Jesus is trying to say. Ask anybody. Call a witness. Follow your own rules. Well, we know that they really had no intention of following anybody's rules, right? They had no intention of following the rules. John tells us in 22 and 23, he says, and when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if will, why do you strike me? Hmm. So an officer standing by, the officer thinks what or interprets what Jesus said as disrespect to the high priest. And he slaps him across the face. The officer said, who, who do you think you are? That's what they were saying, right? Who do you think you are coming in here, getting questioned and, and then and answering in that way? Again, Jesus calls for a return to proper procedure. What does he say? He says, I spoke in evil. Bear witness of the evil. Bring a witness here to the court of evil that I've done. Bring them if it's happened. 
he he challenged the officer to point out wrong anything he said. If I've said anything wrong, you bring a witness to it. Bring bring a witness. But he says, if there's no wrong, if you don't have any accusation, if you have any witness coming here, then stop hitting me. It's a reasonable request, right? He's at, again, Jesus is not asking them to follow his rules. He's saying, follow your own rules. Hmm. Verse, verse 24, it says, Then I sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So we're not exactly sure how long, right, this took place, right, this debate here back and forth, this this um, illegal prosecution, this this uh, examination that's completely against all of their rules. I don't know how long this really happened or how long it took for, for it to happen, but it, it was it was clear that he believes, well, I'm getting nowhere like this, right? This we're not getting anywhere here, um, and of course. As we said in the introduction, okay, the Annas was, he was not the high priest officially. Remember, he still had, that people thought he was. That's why they brought him to him first. So he knows that he's got to send them to Caiaphas. He's got to send Jesus to Caiaphas because only Caiaphas had the authority to send Jesus to the Romans. Okay, the Romans had put him there. So they said, well, we've got to send him to him. He's the only one that can get him to, uh, to Pilate. But, and so by doing this, Annas was he was saying, hey, I want Jesus killed. I, in other words, he didn't he didn't get what he wanted. He had no witnesses to anything. Uh he wants him, he wants Jesus killed. So this is the part. I'm gonna send him to Caiaphas and we'll send him on uh to Pilate. You remember that um and we've talked about this in earlier studies, the Jews um because we are you know the Jerusalem is occupied, Roman occupation, we know that. Um, and they did not have the power of capital punishment. They were, uh, remember, the Romans let, the Romans would let people who they occupied, you know, they, okay, we would let them do some of their own stuff. Okay, you can have your own way here. You can do your Jewish trial. You can do these things, and, and they kind of let you be who you want to be, but when it comes to capital punishment, right, that's reserved for the Romans. The Jews did not have that authority to do that. So, Annas, Caiaphas, they all know this. And they know that, okay, we're going to do our thing, but eventually we've got to send him to Pontius Pilate if we want him killed. That's the whole reason to send him to Pontius Pilate. We want him killed. They don't have the power to do that. And it's at this point that John shifts back over to Peter. So again, we kind of, we don't know all the details of that Night again. We don't not really sure on the timeline how long this has lasted. Right, could have been hours. Not really, not really sure. Um, Peter's been 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 following. He's been watching from a distance. We can assume that he's he's been able to hear kind of what's going on. He knows he's been watching. Right, uh, he knows kind of what's happening. And so here, and he, and he and he probably knows it's not going well. Right, it's not going well for Jesus in terms of, in, in the eyes of the Jews anyway. Verse 25 and 27, it says, it says, Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, remember who he's with? He's with servants and he's with, with the other officers. He says, one of them says, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? Well, he denied it. And he said, I'm not. 
one of the servants of the high priest, and this is where John gives us that extra detail, he was a relative of who of him whose ear Peter cut off, who Jesus subsequently healed, remember? And he said this, he says, did I not see you in the garden with him? So he was there. This other guy was there in the garden when they arrested Jesus. Did it was at night, right? It was it was it was, most, it was a full moon. You're in the Mount of Olives, so a lot of it would have been. And there was a thousand people there, right? So it, it, he had to be close because he's a relative of the the one that that uh, Peter cut his ear off. So he was there, but again, it was it was it was uh, shadows and everything. But he, but he says, "Hey, didn't I see you in the garden with him? Didn't I see you there?" Hmm. This is more of a question, right? This guy's, he's, I think you're it. You're, you were there tonight. And Peter, we see here, then denied again. That's now the third denial. And John tells us immediately a rooster crowed. Hmm. So we see that, that Peter was questioned the first time by the girl. No, wasn't me. I didn't do it. And now we see him questioned two more times. Back to back. Just rapid fire. Bam, bam. The first time, again, we don't know how much time's been between the first and the second and third. We're not really sure. But but you see here this rapid fire. It's bam, bam. It's two right questions and he answered repeatedly, no, I'm not. I'm not him. When you read Matthew's account of this over in... Uh, chapter 26 of Matthew, Matthew adds some other information right about this this uh, incident here. Ma- Matthew tells us that Peter was getting frustrated. Right? Peter was getting angry. His, and his frustration was growing. Matthew tells us that when he was asked the second time, right, he says he issued, he, he denied it with an oath. He swore an oath when he denied it the second time. I swear, I don't know the man. And then when he was questioned a third time, what happened? What Matthew tells us? He began to curse and to swear. Hmm. So, you think, what's, what's going on in Peter's mind? Obviously, he's getting very frustrated. Did he not remember what Jesus told him? You're going to deny me three times. Well, facing uh, facing these questions, it says, based on what we know from Matthew's gospel, Peter strongly denied. He strongly denied. He swore with an oath. He even began cursing and swearing. I don't know anything about him. I don't know him. Hmm. And as he as he betrayed, okay, that's the word we started this betrayal, right? He has now betrayed his Lord. I don't three times as he's betrayed his Lord with curses. And was swearing, and as soon as that third denial was out of his mouth, what happened? Rooster froze. Hmm. The events of this night are unfolding just like Jesus said they would unfold. Um, and I, and I, when you look at what Luke also adds, another detail about this night. That John doesn't include Luke, Luke twenty-two verses sixty through sixty-two it says, "But Peter said, Man, 
This is the third. This is the third question. Okay, the third denial. This is this is where this is. He says this again. Luke twenty two says Peter says, "Man, I do not know what you are saying." And immediately, while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. And there's this sentence in here that Luke adds. This detail. Okay, immediately when the rooster crowed, Luke tells us that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. What did Peter do? Luke tells us he did what? He went out and he wept bitterly. Have you, ever, have you ever heard a grown man weep bitterly? I have too. You know, we, we're blessed because we know how the story ends. Right? With Peter especially. Right? Peter's not left weeping bitterly with no hope. Right? We know. Praise the Lord. Right, that one day here in the very near future, the Lord is going to be there on the beach in the morning. He's going to cook breakfast for these men, and He's going to restore Peter. Right, wonderful act of restoration. How many times does the Lord ask him about feeding the sheep? Three times. How many did Peter? How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. What does what does this teach us when we look at this? Interaction here. What does it? What does it teach us? Well, it teaches us something that we don't want to see, right? We learn here about the darkness of the human heart, don't we? Something we don't want to see. Something hideous. Something ugly that we don't want to see. This this interaction, this thing that this just just happened, we just read about. It shows us that people are are capable of. Or, excuse me. It shows them what to what levels they are capable of going to save their own hide, right? Because again, the, Peter didn't know what, if if I say I'm with him, maybe they're going to put me on trial and kill me too. That's that's what the disciples are thinking, right? The disciples are probably at this point surprised I hadn't been arrested, right? They kind of thought that, right? They come and arrest us too. And well, we didn't get arrested. Well, but if I say I'm with him, then they're asking him questions about the disciples. They're going to take me and 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 kill me too. So we see here what 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 we're all, what we're capable of doing, right? When we perceive danger, this is what we're capable of doing, just to save our own hide. After and after making that wonderful confession, this is from Peter, right? This is. It's like there's two Peters, right? <laughs> you know, this Peter, and, and after the, the the transfiguration, all these things that he says after uh, swearing that, that Jesus is what? He said, uh, uh, Jesus, you are the you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And what did, what did Peter say? He said, I'll, "I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus." Peter, after all those things, Peter failed. Peter failed at the moment of truth, the moment of testing people. He he failed. And this is the nature of the fallen human. This is the nature of fallen humans, right? This is our nature. 
We're fallen human beings. We are capable of the same thing, of failing at the moment of test. This this passage also teaches us what kind of people Jesus came to save. Hmm. Jesus didn't need to die for people who are sinless, right? Because first of all, there are none. Right? We're, they're, they're, they're none. He didn't come to save those kind of people. He came to die for people who have it in them to betray Him. People just like you and me. We have it in us too. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we have it in us too. To fail Him. To betray our even our Lord. However, the as we, we've, we've said about the way Jesus restores Peter, and that is just a wonderful account. That is such a wonderful restoration. That is such a glorious picture of our Savior, the heart of our Savior, and how He loves us. The, even the ones who would betray Him, and how He restores them. The good news is that He will never betray the ones He loves. Never. Absolutely never. He will love the ones that He chooses love for, the, for, for, for all time. His love will be there and there's nothing you can do to lose it. If His love is on you, it's, it's on you forever. You can never lose it. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> that is encouraging because again, if we're honest with ourselves, we're capable of the same thing. I'll end with a quote from Calvin. Calvin said, he's referring to Peter. He says, A man filled not with fortitude, but with wind, promises that that he will obtain an easy victory over the whole world. And yet, no sooner does he see the shadow of a thistle than he immediately trembles. He says, Let us therefore learn not to be brave in any other than the Lord. Calvin's that's a wonderful it's we can we've all been there if we're honest with ourselves extremely confident in our own words right to be there and to be that person but as soon as the wind whistles a little bit we get scared right we tremble wait a minute I can't believe I just said that right it's my own words and so what's Calvin say let us not be brave in any other than in the Lord himself Any questions or comments? We have about a minute left. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for our time uh, this morning. Father, we thank You that uh, Your Word is living and breathing and active. And Father, we pray that You will use Your Word, uh, Father, to change us today. And Father, as we leave this time of study, Father, we go to our worship service. Father, we thank You for a place that we can gather on a cold and, and rainy day. We can gather um, with your people, Father, and uh, worship you. And we just pray that you'll be with our pastor, Father, as he leads our worship service this morning. Father, we pray that in the, the, the songs that are sung, the hymns that are sung, Father, the music that's played, the prayers that are prayed, Father, the word that's spoken, we pray that it will all bring glory to you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.